I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 140 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have got an exciting week scheduled for you guys. I'm going to be hitting you with five episodes this week, five extraordinary fathers. So lock it in. Let's have some fun here. I am going to be kicking things off today with a Super Bowl champion linebacker, A.J. Hawk. He's going to be here with me in just a minute, so please stick around for the interview. Tomorrow on the show, I will have the honor of speaking with combat veteran Shiloh Harris, who was severely wounded when an IED exploded under his vehicle in Iraq. Tomorrow, it will be February 19th, so it will actually be the 12-year anniversary of the day he was injured. So that's going to be a very special one. Don't miss out. Wednesday, I will have another hero joining me here, former Marine and one of the secret soldiers in the Benghazi attack, John Tig Teagan, will be here. His story was made famous not only by the headlines and the controversy surrounding the entire disaster, but also by a book and major motion picture, 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. So that one's going to be awesome and really quite an honor. And speaking about major motion pictures, Thursday I will have a father on the show who knows a little something about that. Actor Dean McDermott will stop by here to talk about being a dad of his six children. He is, of course, married to the very popular actress Tori Spelling, so that one's going to be a lot of fun as well. And I will be closing out the week with a brand new Frogman Friday episode. Former Navy SEAL Ryan Bates will be here. He is a fairly new dad. He's got a two-year-old son. He's married to the amazing Diana Dahlgren. Uh, he's another combat veteran, so come on, dads. It's going to be an awesome week here. The guest list is just off the charts. Three combat veterans representing the Army, Navy, Marines. Got an A-list Hollywood actor, a Super Bowl champion. So let's go, dads. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me, and I will be right back to jump into the action with former NFL linebacker A.J. Hawk. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and joining me now is a first-class father. He is a two-time unanimous All-American linebacker and Super Bowl champion who won Super Bowl forty-five with the Green Bay Packers. He won a Lombardi Award, a Jack Lambert Trophy. He was the fifth overall pick in the 2006 NFL Draft. It is a big pleasure for me to say, A.J. Hawk, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, thank you. It's good to be with you. All right, let's start here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I have four kids. Um, the oldest is eight. That's my daughter. And then my six-year-old son, a three-year-old son, and a 20-month-old son. Awesome. I've got four myself. I'm right there with you. What type of uh, sports or activities are they into? Um, all of them, I mean, they all really enjoy sports. They talk about sports a lot. But my daughter, she's on a pretty competitive soccer team right now. Uh, I don't know if she's going to stay with that or not. She she enjoys it. But the girls, she just joined the team this year. They've been playing together for three or four years now, and she just joined. So it's a, I don't know if you know anything about it. I didn't know anything about it. I had two older brothers growing up. The girls 
competitive soccer culture is crazy. Like, it's a good thing. Like, they're very competitive, but it's, it's a lot of traveling. It's a lot of weekend-long tournaments. And I, it gets me thinking for my wife and I, like, if we only had one kid, this would be a lot, I feel like, to try to, to get to everything. My daughter enjoys it a lot. Uh, so as long as she wants to do it, we're going to do it. But uh, my son, my six-year-old, he's the one. He's played flag football. He plays. He's in basketball right now. Uh, he hasn't played soccer yet. He said he's going to start baseball this spring. He says he wants to play because it's not t-ball anymore. He didn't want to play when it was t-ball. And uh, then my my youngest two, they're so young. But my three-year-old, he's he's obsessed with anything, uh, like any kind of stick and ball sports. He loves to swing a baseball, bat around. He loves to throw baseballs and footballs. We have a little hockey stick down in our basement. They play play with all the time. So really, any any kind of activity that they can watch on TV at some point and see. They try to mimic. Very cool. Now, do you get in there and coach any of the teams, or do you like to enjoy it more from the sidelines? I enjoy it from the sidelines. I coached one winter when my daughter was uh, about five. She was on a little three-on-three basketball team, and, and they wanted me to coach, so I did it. And that was the last time I have coached. She's eight now, so it was three years ago. Um, and my kids, they, every once in a while, they've asked me if I'm going to coach their teams. I'm not against it completely, but I like to, I enjoy watching from the sidelines and, and being quiet and just supporting them. It's not really my thing. I'm not that good at it. I'm really not. I don't know what it is. I just, uh, I'm not great at telling little kids and explaining to them how to get things done. And I, I watch these other people who are my, my buddies that are coaching their teams. They're just so much better. They're just, they know how to organize it. They know how to organize the practice and then all of the other the side stuff that goes with being a kid's coach is definitely not my specialty. Like sending out emails every couple of days, telling them when practice is, getting things set up. I, uh, I don't know. It's just not really, not what I, I thrive at, I guess. <laughs> I hear you on that. All right, AJ, please take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Uh, so I, right now I just turned 35. Um, I am from Ohio. I grew up there. I went and, I uh, got a scholarship and played football at Ohio State. Uh, I was there for four years. Uh, I was lucky enough my freshman year to win a national championship. Never got back there during my college time. Um, but we, we were like, I was part of some great teams and had a great coach in Jim Trestle, who I have so much respect for. Then I was drafted uh, by the Green Bay Packers. I spent nine seasons with the Green Bay Packers. Um, I was lucky enough to win a Super Bowl during my fifth season there beating the Steelers down in uh, Dallas, Texas. And then after that, I went to Cincinnati and played with Bengals for a year. I'm from Ohio for about 40 minutes away. It was cool going home and pretty much playing for your hometown team. And then I was basically somewhat retired, I thought. But then I, uh, I went back in the year, I guess it was 2016. The year the Falcons got beat in the Super Bowl by the Patriots. I was a member of the, the Falcons team for about four weeks that year, early in the season. Um, they had a bunch of guys go down in the linebacker room, and, and they uh, asked me to come down. And I went down and actually really enjoyed my time. And they kept me on for four weeks, and they didn't need it. They only needed me there for really one week, and then everyone kind of got healthy in the linebacker room. But they kept me around for four, and it helps you out and gives you an accredited season and everything. I actually learned a lot in my short four, four weeks there from all the young guys they had and the great coaching staff. It was, it was really enjoyable. Yeah, wow. What an awesome career, AJ. Not many people out there can say that they've won both a national championship and the Super Bowl. When did fatherhood come into this picture for you, and how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Uh, I guess when I was in college and stuff, I never – I knew, I guess, eventually maybe I'd have kids. 
I never really thought about marriage or anything. But then early in my, um, very early, right as my senior year was starting in college, I reconnected basically with my wife. I kind of met her my sophomore year through some mutual friends. She was in school in California. I was in Ohio State, but she's from Columbus where Ohio State is. We basically briefly met for a minute my sophomore year, and then she came back in town visiting some friends um, her, my senior year. Met her. We had a long-distance relationship after that. She was uh, in school out in L.A., and uh, then she came back. She came back to Columbus basically – in March, after my senior year, after I got done playing football, when I was working out for the combine, and we got engaged in February. So I met her between when I when we really first got together and, and uh, had our started our long distance relationship to when we got engaged it was only about five months, and got engaged, got married then, the summer going into my rookie season in Green Bay, and then actually waited, we waited a full five years pretty much to have our first kid, and my daughter came December fourth of 2010, which is actually was about six, seven weeks before we went to the Super Bowl. So it was a, it was a crazy year. She was born a Saturday before a home game, and I was able to stay there and be there and then go stay in the hospital the night before the game and then just drive on into Lambeau and play the game and then come back to the hospital. But it's uh, for me, I guess people always talk about it, oh, your life changes on the instant, like the second you see your kid. And I don't know if I felt that. Yeah, I mean, I, I was – there's a lot of anticipation for me, the nine months leading up to it, buying all the little clothes, setting everything up, the cribs and all that. I was thought I was ready. I wanted to be ready. But I don't. I guess not the second that my daughter was born. It wasn't like a flip switch and I was a different person. But I think every single day that goes on, the more kids I have and the more time that I spend around them and try to you know, watch them grow and all develop little personalities, yeah, I have no idea what my wife – what my life looked like, I guess, before I had kids. Now it seems crazy to think, like, what would I do if I, I can't imagine not having kids? You know, I use the analogy of winning the Super Bowl a lot, so you've actually done it. So let me ask you this. I mean, I compare it to NFL players. After they win the big game, they're asked, how does it feel to be a Super Bowl champion? And most of the guys say, I don't know, it hasn't really hit me yet. You know, would you say fatherhood is kind of like that? Yeah, it is. It kind of is. And I've heard Urban Meyer, who just stepped down as Ohio State's coach, just retired, he always talked about, I've heard him say, like, with he's won multiple national championships, and people always tell me, like, oh, is your life, how, diff, how is your life different? And he's like, well, no, like, day to day, my life is the same. Like, nothing, it, it doesn't just all of a sudden, like, everything's champagne and roses. He's like, but that team, those players, those that staff, the support staff from those teams that I've been a part of, like, we have this common bond like this lifeblood that no matter where we go or what we ever do in our life we have this common thing that we've all won this national title together i feel like maybe there's a little bit of that with other parents you understand you can relate and then obviously with your own kids like it definitely hits me the more i go like wow these uh i know how i look at my parents and the role models they were to me and i just hope to to be somewhat of hopefully they look at me like that in some form uh, when they're grown up and maybe they have their own kids. Well said. And one of the things I like to ask the dads that have four or more kids like myself, um, the most challenging transition for my wife and I was going from two to three children. So which transition would you say was either the most difficult or presented the, the biggest challenge for you guys? Uh, I've actually thought about that because people do, they have asked that and other people will ask me that too. They'll say, oh, what was the difference between one and two, and then two and three is crazy because you're outnumbered, and then three to four, 
I don't know if I can pinpoint exactly what, I guess two to three maybe, but the hard thing, I guess, like whenever one of my kids grows out of whatever phase they're in, it's almost like I completely forget about their old, their first phase they were in when they can't move when they're just laying there and they're in their little, their little uh, pumpkin seat or whatever. And then all of a sudden they start crawling and you forget what it was like to have a baby that doesn't move. And it's, um, I think the hardest thing I guess is after we had three and my, my third was, was walking, he's moving around, whatever. And then all of a sudden you have a baby and you're like, wow, this is crazy because all three of my three other kids want to go outside. They want to play. This still happens. They want to go outside and play. Come on, dad, throw the ball. Let's go run. Why don't you run and ride your bike with us? And I got my youngest in my arm. I'm like, now I'm trying guys, but you know, this guy's dangerous. I can't ride a bike and carry this dude while I'm riding my butt, riding bikes with you. So sometimes I guess having the kids at different phases, to where I try not to let my – I don't want my older kids to resent the baby. And they don't, luckily, but they sometimes they do. Like, oh, come on, Dad, don't bring the – do you have to bring the baby? Because then we're going to have to leave early because we know if we sit down, like, he's going to just be antsy and he's going to want to be walking around the restaurant and crying. Or if we go to the bounce house, like the trampoline park, like he's going to – he only has a certain amount of time before you have to get him out of there. So I think it's just the different stages that they're in. Sometimes it's hard to balance. Yeah, it's so awesome to go through it all. Okay, we're going to pause right here to get a word from our sponsors and then right back with more with A.J. Hawk. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. NFW Watches. First Class Fatherhood has proudly partnered with NFW Watch Company, and now you could take advantage with this exclusive offer. NFW Watch Company was founded on making badass watches that help people, mostly veterans. Get over to nfwonline.com and listeners can save 15% off their entire order, plus get free domestic shipping by entering the promo code FATHER at the checkout. NFW Watches, made by a badass with a big heart. nfwonline.com and use the promo code FATHER. SeatGeek. Taking your kids to the ball game is one of the greatest experiences in all of fatherhood. And now, First Class Fatherhood has partnered with SeatGeek, and you could save $20 off your next ticket purchase by using the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, First Class. Maybe you want to go to a Broadway show, a concert. SeatGeek has the best prices for a wide variety of events. It's a slam dunk deal, dads. Get over to www.seatgeek.com and use the promo code First class to get $20 off your next ticket purchase. SeatGeek.com. Uh, AJ, one of the most difficult decisions for a lot of dads out here is whether or not to allow their kids to play tackle football, especially with all the reports about CTE. I know you said your son is playing flag right now. How do you feel about young kids playing tackle football? And what's really the right age, do you think, for kids to start playing contact football? Uh I'm like, I mean, it's an ever-evolving thought with me. Um, as I got older and there's more stuff coming out, of course, yeah, I pay attention and have my own kids and think about their future. I'll, I'll definitely won't say – I won't tell them they can't play tackle football if they want to play when it's time to play tackle football. I guess that's the question. When is it? When should they play? So I started playing football in the second grade, and we were wearing we were wearing helmets and shoulder pads and everything, but I believe it was flag for one year. And then third grade was full go tackle. And I don't even know when they start tackle where I'm at in Ohio. I think they can start it pretty early, but all of a sudden I'll be at my son's flag football game and he's six, and there's six and seventh graders playing flag football. So it's a lot different now too, to where some kids play flag and they play tackle with other teams. But I don't know when I'm going to let them. I, I think about that sometimes, and maybe sixth grade. 
maybe sixth grade, I think would be a decent time for him to, to put the helmet on and, and tackle a little bit. But I don't even know. I'm not sold on that. It's no. Uh, it's, it's always changing for me. But the one thing I I've always will do is I'm, I'm going to pay attention. So I'll try to be at as many practices as I can and as many games, and I'll be at all the games, and I'll really pay attention to what it looks like, not only him, but his other teammates. I just feel like for being out there, being on the field, I can watch a game on TV, and I can see the hits that look like they ding the guy a little bit, and they can still get up and keep playing. And a lot of times it does, it's not the big kill shots that you think. It's just getting caught in the right spot that gets people maybe a little bit woozy or whatever it may be, and I'll, I'll pay very close attention and make sure I'm talking to him before and after practice and see if anything ever rattles him a little bit because the one thing we do know is that if you do get rattled, the only thing that can help you is make sure you take enough time off before you get back out there. Yeah, very cool to have somebody with your type of experience just to be around watching would be a benefit to everybody on the field for sure. Um, are your kids, I know they may be a little young yet for this, but are your kids caught up with the Fortnite craze? Are, are your kids over there smashing buttons and swiping screens yet, AJ? Uh, um, you know, how do you kind of handle video game technology and screen time with your kids? Uh, well, we don't have any gaming systems right now. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know if we ever will. We don't know. But they do have little, uh, like the uh, Amazon Fire, Kindle Fires, they're called. And when we travel and stuff, I'm playing uh, to go. We visit my brother-in-law down in Florida and whatever. We take them all. We'll let the older ones use those little Kindle fires, and they can get they can get caught up in it. Where they don't, they're not really playing games on there. They kind of are. The little kid games are still pretty young. They know what Fortnite is. They do the little Fortnite dances and stuff from their friends that tell them, um, and their friends that have the games. But they're not crazy caught up in games, right? They could be, but they definitely want to watch YouTube. My oldest daughter, she's eight. She wants to get on a computer uh, that we have downstairs, and she'll sit there and watch these weird YouTube videos of little kids doing whatever, and she'll, so she would watch for a couple hours if we let her. So, yeah, that definitely gets times when we have to unplug it and tell her no, and she wants to fight us, and she really enjoys it, and it helps her almost, like, decompress after school. And so it's a balance like anything else, and it's hard hard because yeah it's, it, it does make it easier instead of if if you do need to tend to the baby or something of course if you say all right you can go watch those your youtube videos down there for for 45 minutes they just got to know hey 45 minutes time's up there's no questions like you can try to fight me and all it doesn't matter i'm unplugging that thing and, and you're gonna lose it for a week so it's a lot easier said than done though so it's uh i know as a parent it's, it's a lot easier it's easy sometimes the easy way out can help you it's a lot easier on a parent i guess where you just give in and that's the hardest thing is not giving in luckily for me my wife is very stern with them she has no problem with that and i guess i'm kind of the one that has a bigger issue of being the, the big softy yeah i'm right there with you aj especially when it comes to changing the baby's diaper or tending to the little one if there's an easier way to occupy the other guys man it's a no-brainer let me use that to segue into discipline, AJ. How do you kind of handle discipline in your household? What type of disciplinarian are you as a father? I always go back and forth with this, too. I mean, it, we, no, we don't – we haven't, had, like, really had to spank them. Um, we try to – we do timeout stuff uh, definitely with our – well, our three oldest now. I mean, our youngest is too young to really understand if you're trying to discipline, but he needs, he needs to know. I feel like we're getting close to that. But, yeah, the timeout thing is pretty big for them. We used to make my my daughter, um, she used to go sit in a chair and, like, face the wall and put her hands up in the air for some reason. I don't know why. She started putting her hands up. And so, like, all right, you can put your hands up then. And she just knew that was me. That meant she was in trouble. 
she doesn't do that anymore. But yeah, we will, we will absolutely give them like a timeout, and then if they're freaking out and still crying for you know five eight minutes in the room and being loud or wherever we we have them in timeout, we try to go always sit down and talk to them. And it doesn't sometimes, especially if my daughter, she's eight, so she she knows and she's a strong-willed girl. Sometimes it takes uh, it takes a lot of time to get her calmed down and talk her through it. And she always comes back to us, but sometimes that can be a long, long process. Well said. All right, you played 10, 11 years in the NFL. Was that the right time for you to step away from the game, or did having kids kind of influence your decision to retire? No, it was the right time for me. I mean, I, I made it longer than I thought I would. Um, the kids didn't change it. Uh, that's the one thing my wife, she uh, she kind of um, – not regrets, but she wishes that my kids now they're older and they love sports and they love watching sports and, and watching Ohio State play and watching the Packers and still like my buddies that are on the team in Green Bay, they know them and talk about them and see them play. My wife kind of wishes that my kids were a little bit older and got to see me play more, I guess. I mean, that's tough. You're going to have kids pretty early and play for a long time. But um, I, it was perfect timing for me. I, I, I got 11 seasons in. And my two oldest got to come to some games and, and watch me and see things like that. And, and now they know a little bit. And, and, you know, like kids just want – they want their dad. Yeah, they may think it's cool for a little bit. If they get to watch something or, or know that I played or watch – they see Aaron Rodgers, all these commercials on TV, and they know him. They call him Uncle Aaron and stuff. So, like, they like that part about it. But, you know, kids just want their dad. They don't care what their dad does or what his job may be. The number one thing they care about is that you're present and that you're there and you care about them. So it's a cool side thing, but I um, definitely played as long as I uh, – like I played longer than I thought I was going to, really. Yeah, awesome, man. You have accomplished so much already at such a young age. What type of goals do you have going for yourself moving forward? Uh, what's next for A.J. Hawk? Uh, so I don't have, like, a bunch of specific goals written down on where I want to be, what I want to do. I do a bunch of work <clears> – <throat> Yeah, with the media and broadcasting, I do. Uh, I do a lot of work on SiriusXM, on satellite radio, uh, NFL Channel, College Channel, and I co-host the show twice a week on the MMA channel. Just strictly talking MMA and UFC and everything that goes into that. I really enjoy watching fighting and football, and I get to talk about it. So I do that. And during the season, I work as a color analyst for for college football games. The last two years, I have. And I love that. I love being there in person, fly out, get there, go there for about a day and a half, two days, study the teams during the week, have conference calls with the coaches, really watch the film like I did when I was playing, and then get to call the game. And I really enjoy that. It's really difficult. It's, you, you never will have a perfect game. You never will master it. You're always striving to do better. So with everything that I do, especially now in the off season, I just do a lot of different radio um, things with Sirius XM. And then I go, like, I was at the Super Bowl shooting some stuff for a company called DAZN, and they want to be the Netflix of sports. They've dumped a bunch of money at, in boxing and MMA, and they're getting into football now, too, um, stuff like that. So th- I don't really have any, like, one specific thing other than to continue to get reps, continue to do things that I enjoyed. I'm, I'm lucky to where what my schedule is and ever being able to play as long as I did. Like, I get to – I get to say no to the things that I don't want to do. Like I really, I, like, like I said, I watch football and I watch fighting and I get to talk about both of them for a living. And I love it. I love everything about that. So uh, just do more of that and get better and better. I started my own podcast three or four years ago called the Hawkcast that I just have people on that I want to talk to a lot of different people from everything. I mean, you, you had Rob O'Neill on here, didn't you? 
Yep. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I've had Rob O'Neill on a few times. I've had astronauts. had Charles Barkley, my buddy Aaron Rodgers a few times. A lot of different athletes, uh, actors, entertainers, military personnel. Just really anyone I think would be interesting to talk to is who I have on. So that's always that's the thing I'm always doing as well. That's really really fun. It's just I'm a huge fan of listening to other people's podcasts. That's why I started my own, and it's fun. You know, you you do it. It's it's enjoyable to to reach out and then talk to people and hear their story. Yeah, I love the platform, AJ. It gives me the opportunity to sit here and, and have conversations about fatherhood with Super Bowl champions like yourself. I think it's amazing. Uh, last thing I want to hit you with here, AJ, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Um, I would say that there's never there's never really the, a right time. People like to talk about the schedule when they're going to have their kids and all this. Well, if I hit this number, if I start making – if I can make above 50000 a year and get a new house, then I want to, then I can have kids. If I can do this, I'm like, there's no right number. There's no right time. It doesn't matter. Once your kid comes, you can take all the classes you want. We, I did all the Lamar stuff, all the stuff, working on the little, the baby dolls, putting diapers on fake babies. You do it all. But once you have the kids, I mean, your instincts take over and you just figure it out. And I think that's the thing. Like, yeah, you can be worried. You should be kind of worried and anxious. What am I going to do? I, I still, that's why I'm like that all the time. My wife travels a decent amount for, she's an interior designer. She's been traveling a lot recently. And whenever she's not here and I got all four kids and they, when they go to sleep, like I, I get worried at night for them. Like, they, like all, all of a sudden the responsibility of all these four kids kind of hits me just because she's not there to bounce things off of. Like, it's just me. I just roam the house and, check on the kids while they're sleeping. Like I said, my oldest is eight, so I probably shouldn't be doing that anymore. But I feel like you're, you're never going to – you can read everything you should. You should want to be a great dad, but you figure it out as you go. And, and the one thing I do, when I see other people and their kids are, are well-behaved and I respect the parents and I know them, I'll, a lot of times I'll ask them, like, hey, what are you doing? Why are your kids are so well-behaved? And I was like, oh, thank you. Well, trust me, this is not always the case, but – and they tell me one or two things that they have done that helped them along the way. And so I try to take little things like that from other parents that I respect and to try to implement some of that in my daily life. Awesome. Great advice. You are a first-class father. I love the message. I got to say, A.J. Hawk, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on first-class fatherhood. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. All right. Right back in a second to wrap things up here. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to AJ Hawk for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys. Drop me that DM over on Instagram or hit me on Facebook. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to get your feedback. And then lock it into First Class Fatherhood for tomorrow. I am going to have combat veteran and Purple Heart recipient Shiloh Harris, who was severely wounded when an IED exploded under his vehicle. Tomorrow is the anniversary of that event. So don't miss out. It's going to be a special one. Wednesday, I got former Marine John Teagan. Thursday, we got actor Dean McDermott. And then Friday, former Navy SEAL Ryan Bates. Keep it locked in here to First Class Fatherhood. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Fathers.